1: Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way, and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
2: A Quiz of Ice and Fire Hello there, listeners! Thanks for tuning in today for another Quiz of Ice and Fire. I'm Lady Guinevere, and today I'm bringing you our 21st quiz. This one is all about the Crescent Prologue from A Clash of Kings, and since that was the focus of our most recent episode, we hope you're well prepared. As always, we want to thank our generous patrons for their continued support, which has unlocked this bonus feature of quizzes for everyone. And speaking of bonus features, if you'd like to support us by being a patron, Check out our campaign at Patreon.com slash Radio where, among other things, you'll see that patrons gain access to our patron-exclusive episodes, currently one all about the Arthurian influences in A Song of Ice and Fire, a mini-episode all about world-building in A Song of Ice and Fire, and if you've been enjoying our prologue series, don't forget that patrons have access to our episode on the Varamir prologue. And now it's time for me to introduce our guest host for today. Very happy to welcome to the quiz program, Achea from History of Westeros. Welcome, Achea.
3: Hey there, it's so nice to be on. I was very flattered when you asked me to be on here, but it's also very relevant to what we're covering over at History of Westeros right now, because we're doing Valar Reridus, and we're on a Clash of Kings, roughly just past the halfway mark, so we've already covered this prologue, so if you're interested in some analysis of it, head over there. Yes, absolutely. Uh,
2: I've been uh, enjoying following along a lot of the discussion in your Facebook group and of course you have your weekly live streams. So um, yep, very good if you're currently, you know, on working on your rereads. Uh, a lot of us do seem to be doing that. Almost like we're expecting something to come. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. You yeah, know, we never know by the time we all finish
3: Dance with Dragons. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, that's how Aziz scheduled our uh our schedule, I suppose, that he wants us to be finishing a dance with dragons roughly when George said the wins would be done, which is August twenty twenty, when WorldCon is. Um, whether I, I assume that's done and not out, so we'll still have a little break. <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: But yeah, we're all kind of banking on that, um, sort of promise coming true so sometime we're sometime listen, next year
3: yeah we're gonna listen to this in two three years and be like oh what sweet <laughs> summer children we were I, <laughs> I, I go back and listen to episodes from three years ago where i was like yeah maybe next year we'll get it
2: oh yeah <laughs> always constantly people have been asking us for literally years when we were going to cover uh Tyrion, for instance and we, uh, we always we said well you know when winds comes out and <laughs> you know years keep going by and we're like well i guess <laughs> we just haven't covered Tyrion because <laughs> <laughs> eventually we will get there but um anyways hopefully we're all very optimistic um so now is the time for you all to get ready and however you keep track of your answers uh be prepared we have 15 questions all about the crescent prologue from A clash of kings and as always, we let the guest go first. So over to you with uh, question one, Ashea.
3: Dragonstone is a castle which is found on an island of the same name. Our first question is what is the name of the local volcano there? Okay, uh,
2: volcano on Dragonstone. So tell us what it is. Question two the Citadel is where Maester Crescent studied, and he reveals that the Citadel has now sent another younger maester to help him in his labors at Dragonstone. What is the name of this new maester?
3: And is he younger and sexier? <laughs> yes. Uh, early in the Crescent prologue, the maester is visited by Shireen. What exactly was it that Shireen wanted to see that caused the visit?
2: Okay, so something... Going on there early on in his prologue. Yeah, what did Shireen want to see? Hmm. Okay. Question four. Patchface is introduced as a twitching piebald mess of a fool. <laughs> 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 that pretty much sums him up. Uh, Crescent thinks that perhaps he once might have caused gales of laughter, but now there's only one person who thinks he's funny. Who is that one person? Me. (laughs) Obviously, Crescent had never met us.
3: (laughs) (laughs) There's a serving girl on Dragonstone named Dalla, and she has apparently heard the red woman lecturing Solis about the red comet in the sky. So what does Melisandre tell Queen Solis the comet is? Okay, Melisandre
2: has a name for the comet. And uh, we hear Shireen... Repeating it to Maester Cresson, so On to question six Patchface again, he likes to sing in rhymes and riddles and many people like to theorize about hidden meanings behind the things He says, but there's one line in particular that Patchface keeps repeating It goes the somethings come to dance my lord the somethings come to stay my lord What are the somethings?
3: In this prologue, we learn that Stannis has been preventing every ship that passes Dragonstone from leaving. Things are building up on the naval front. We also learn about Stannis' flagship. For half a point, tell us the ship's name, and for another half, how many decks it has. Oh, oh I'm sorry for laughing, but good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many decks?
2: That's very difficult. This is very specific, um, But it does say, it does specify in this chapter. So (laughs) Uh, how much detail are you capable of absorbing? That's what it comes down to. Uh, Question eight is about the Onion Knight, Davos Seaworth, who's introduced to us in this chapter. Uh, We soon learn that he is trying to get lords to join Stannis's cause, Davos tells Cresson that he broke bread with Julian Swan and old Lord Penrose, but he says witch house consented to a midnight meeting in a grove.
3: Which character found on Dragonstone is described thus, with prominent ears, a sharp nose, and the faintest hint of a mustache on their upper lip? Oh gosh, well... (laughs) sounds like a very attractive person for sure absolutely
2: i mean you know could be a could be a adolescent young man i I mean you know
3: (laughs) yeah exactly
2: (laughs) we'll see uh question 10 um back to davos he has a brilliant backstory that illuminates his uh allegiance to stannis Uh, He was a smuggler who was raised up after heroics at the Siege of Storm's End, but then he had to lose some fingers to Stannis in payment for all his smuggling. However, when Stannis made him a knight, he did offer him a modest keep. But whereabouts within the Stormlands was this keep?
3: Which character inhabiting Dragonstone is described as having eyes like open wounds? Ugh. (laughs) No. (laughs) One thing we get a lot
2: of in this chapter is descriptions of characters because he's introducing so many major characters in this chapter. So we get great descriptions of quite a few people. And um, one of them has eyes like open wounds, which sounds very grim. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so that was question 11. Question 12 is the strangler is a poison known to the alchemists of Lys, the faceless men and of course the maesters of the citadel in the making of this poison a rare plant is used for its leaves this plant comes from islands in which sea
3: Mm, that one's hard too Mm -hmm.
2: yes challenging surprising how challenging you can get when you have to stick all to
3: one chapter and i just read this too just a couple months ago so yeah next the next question is melisandre is a seductress from far shores and offers a contrast to the gloom of dragonstone amidst a lengthy description we are told of her unusual look we want to know what shape is her face (laughs)
1: <laughs>
3: That's a very interesting question there And an interesting detail It is an interesting detail
2: I mean, basically the rest of her description Is Red, red, and red
3: And it's so memorable too, right. I think That yeah. you, you, it, you it gets lost, the shape of her face
2: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah <laughs> uh, It's pretty unique
2: So can you remember What it was <laughs> Uh, so Question fourteen: When Maester Crescent finds himself safe in his own rooms, he stands between his gargoyles and looks out to sea. Here, Crescent sees warships belonging to whom sweeping past the castle. Question
3: fifteen. During the fateful meal where Cressen meets his end, he looks over at the knights who have thrown in for Stannis. One man is described as remaining homely in russet and fox fur. This man was Castellan of Dragonstone while Stannis sat on the small council. So our final question is, who is wearing the fox fur in that scene? Well, it's... I think it's an
2: appropriate choice for him. And that's as much of a hint as I will give.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Man, I never, I, I can't believe I never actually noticed that. You're right. It's very appropriate. Very appropriate. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, see? So,
2: big hint if you're into sigils. So, uh, that was uh, our 15th question. So we are going to take a brief break and we'll be back
1: with the answers right after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
2: And we are back. Uh, We're back with your answers to our questions all
3: about the Crescent Prologue. So over to you, Shea. Our first question was asking about the name of the local volcano on Dragonstone. And the answer is Dragonmont. Yes, Dragonmont. Mm Mm-hmm. Literally Dragon Mountain. Yeah, right? it's, <laughs> it's not that creative. But I mean, we also have Dragon Stone, which is also, <laughs>
2: yes. yeah. Targaryens are the Valyrians, I guess. Um, we're not.
3: Dragonglass. Yeah. <laughs> they,
2: just- <laughs> they weren't that interested in branching out. <laughs> oh, So that was Dragonmont. Hopefully um, you got that. I feel like that was one of our easier questions. And uh, this next one might have been fairly easy as well. Question two, he wanted to know who was the new maester that had been sent uh, by the Citadel to help Cresson in his labors. And it was Maester Pylos. Um, they tells him that he, uh, Cressen realizes that Pylos was sent to help him in his labors. But actually, in all reality, he
3: had been sent to replace him. When he died,
2: <laughs> so.
3: well, you know he gets to help train him. I don't it's know. Place nice to
2: meet your replacement, I guess.
3: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, question number three was asking what Shireen wanted to see that she she brought up to Maester Crescent. The answer is the White Raven. Yes, Pylos told her that they mi- that she might be able to see the White Raven, and Crescent tells her that she might. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think Crescent will. He's kind of like her grandfather. He won't deny her much of anything. Uh, of course, the White Raven's significance to the story is the change of seasons. So this is how the how Clash of Kings opens with confirmation that autumn has arrived. So, uh, yeah. How many of you remembered that was what brought Shireen calling? to maester Cresson. Question 4 is all about Patchface. Uh who's the one person that Patchface is able to make laugh? In the books, in the books. <laughs> in the books, not amongst ourselves or anywhere else, yeah. No. In the books, uh Cresson thinks the only person that finds Patchface particularly funny is Shireen.
3: Question five, we asked what Melisandre tells Queen Celise the comet is called, and she calls it Dragon's Breath. Hey, do you think the Valerians named this too?
2: <laughs> they probably did. <laughs> they really I don't know if you've noticed this, but they seem to have a bit of a one-track mind. <laughs>
3: It's just all about dragons. Mm, Of course, uh, Shireen says uh, she she wonders if dragons are breathing, doesn't that mean they're coming to life? Well, yes, they came to life. Yes. it it,
2: so creepy. Poor Shireen. Just imagine like how what a weird, creepy place to live.
3: Yeah. And then she moved somewhere, (laughs) I guess, creepier. Yeah. Even worse. (laughs) (laughs) Poor kid.
2: Oh boy. Okay, so question 6, we were back to Patchface. Speaking of creepy, uh there was that one line that Patchface kept repeating. The something's come to dance, my lord, the something's come to stay and the somethings were shadows. Uh, so he
3: keeps saying that over and over again. Do and- you think do you think Melisandre's shadow babies dance ever? <laughs> Maybe.
2: Maybe they'll. Uh, <laughs> maybe one day we'll get a group of them together. <laughs> Have a rave or something. <laughs> I do want to say that Shireen does not find this particular thing very amusing. She might think Patches is funny, but she really does not like this line. She gets a bit upset when he keeps saying it. So.
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our next question has us wondering what Stannis' flagship's name is, and additionally, how many decks it has. That's for half a point and then half a point. Well, Stannis' flagship is named Fury, and it has three decks. As the quote says, Lord Stannis' Fury, a triple-decked war galley of 300 oars." So... Three decks, 300 ores. Usually I feel like in A Song of Ice and Fire, if you don't know the num- the number, three is a pretty good guess, yeah. to be honest. Try three. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it, it's, this is, it definitely wasn't going to be, you know. Ten. Like Ten or 20. I mean, it was going to be a smallish number. So three. How many of you got it? And how many of you actually knew it or just guessed, So. Yeah, that's that's. There'll be an interesting kind of way to divide it as well. Not that you don't get credit if you guessed, It's good for you.
3: <laughs> do you do you all get a lot of people responding with their with their numbers with their trivia numbers? We do. Yes, yes. You, you need a you need to record them all and have a leaderboard. I think.
2: Yeah, we could. Long we period. could.
3: We could start doing that over a long period of time. Have people
2: like keeping
3: of course it's it's an honor system but it's not like it's serious it's just for fun yeah uh it seems like every
2: you know the people pretty much average average you know and then we get every one there's a handful that get all or all but one and um then there's always the few people who will admit that they did really badly but
3: you know, good on you know, them.
2: Good for them for being honest. So. <laughs> I feel like we try to be kind of middle of the road with some of the questions, and Fury in three decks was pretty hard, though.
3: Yes. Oftentimes when I listen um, to the trivia episodes, I'm in the car with Aziz and he says out loud the answer before I've even like parsed what the question was asking. (laughs) It takes me a second to like figure that out. Right. And then he's just blurting out. He's like, Fury, it's got three decks. (laughs) Oh. Like, listen, you just stop
2: now. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Question A was all about to have a Seaworth and uh his secret mission to try and find people to join Stannis's cause. Uh, there was one house that he said had consented to a midnight meeting in a grove. And we wanted to know which house that was. It was house Tarth. Hmm. House Tarth coming through again. Mm-hmm. Partway. Partway. But of course, you know, yeah. Um, I think my head canon of this is like Lord Salwyn is just kind of so polite and, <laughs> he's probably he's fairly old I I think in in my head I think he must remember you know like stannis and Renly's parents that's I think mm. he I think he was mm. just being polite is what I'm trying to say. So okay. Um because obviously within very short order Brienne had gone off to serve Renly so you know. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's true.
2: So they kind of threw in with Renly in the end but uh it was a nice of them to at least.
3: Although it's not that clear to me how much Selwyn was, you know, supportive of her leaving. He d- Is it? Well, he did say, like, when she... Cause how I, much approval does he give her in, in that departure?
2: It's a good question, because he also may not have given her much, like, support. Like, he might not have sent a whole force of, you know, fighters from Tarth. But I know when she... I Because I just read this chapter today. When she wins the, uh, the melee at Bitterbridge... Uh, Renly says to her, You're everything your father said you would be. Um, mm. so he at least found a moment to brag about her,
3: yeah. Bragged about her, gave yeah. him a heads up that yeah. she was coming, yeah. But yeah, there's situations where they would have been at the same events, and so he could have easily brought her up yeah. that time, yeah. But that does make it seem like for sure, Selwyn is you know, appreciates her skill. mm-hmm for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess mildly supportive. We don't have
2: direct evidence that he's 100% yeah. on board. Yeah.
3: We, we never hear her think about, like, at least I had my father who was so supportive, though. <laughs> nor nor do we hear her talk about her father being mean no, to her. I think, I feel
2: like he's just kind of resigned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. After yes. her third uh, betrothal, <laughs> I think he was just resigned. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay all right our next question here question nine asks who has this description prominent ears a sharp nose and the faintest hint of a mustache on their upper lip you'll note that we said their upper lip it's Celice, Queen Celice. Yes, she plucks it daily and curses, curses it regularly, but it never fails to return. <laughs> yes, I can relate. As can I. Mean it. Ha- you have to wax and do stuff to your
2: mustache. <laughs> like poor Celice, who lived in an era where there was no waxing. I mean, yeah. What do you do? <laughs> uh,
3: pl- you pluck it. You pluck
1: it, <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh, which is terrible.
3: Word. Yeah. Ow yep poor
2: thing but her uh you know we probably could have gotten around all of that um but she's really not that pleasant because the the rest of her description is you know her mouth is stern and her voice a whip i mean she's really kind of
3: i'd be mean and angry too if i had to tweeze my mustache every day a day every day yeah (laughs) fair fair point
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're uh, we're having empathy for Solis, So, <laughs> All right. Question 10 was back to our good friend Davo Seaworth. Uh, we wanted to know when Sanis uh, made him a knight, he gave him a keep whereabouts in the Stormlands, and that keep is on Cape Wrath. Uh, Choice lands on Cape Wrath, actually, it's called, which... I wonder what that really means. A small keep and a knight's honors is what he was rewarded with. So, would you
3: would you take choice lands, a small keep, and a knight's honors if you lost a joint of each finger on your left hand? Um, I, I, ignoring that you have smuggling and that you might get punished otherwise. Yeah, you would take it. Yeah, mm. I would in Westeros for sure. Probably in in modern day, I I guess. Yeah, as well, but it's not as as cut and dry for me. That's, it's it's no. a weird feeling, the idea of having missing part of your fingers. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and I wonder too. Like this bothers me because they say you know, Stannis removed all those joints with a cleaver. But if you line up your four fingers, you couldn't you couldn't just chop off the tit- ends of all four fingers in
3: one swipe. Multiple swipes, or some of them have more of a nubbin above the joint than others. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know what I make of all this. Like
2: Stannis just kind of like chopping away at Davos's
3: (laughs) hand. These are the things we worry about at night. (laughs) Uh, Another dark thought here. Question 11. What character is described as having eyes like open wounds? It's Stannis. Open wounds. Uh, The exact description says... Stannis kept his own whiskers cropped tight and short. They lay like a blue-black shadow across his square jaw and the bony hollows of his cheeks. His eyes were open wounds beneath his heavy brows, a blue as dark as the sea by night. And of course it goes on, but that is a beautiful description of a very severe-sounding man. I also like the mention of blue-black shadow across his square jaw, considering uh, how much shadows come into play in his storyline, actually. Yes, the the words
2: used here are very evocative. It's a really wonderful description. Actually, I mean, I said this, I think, when we were doing the questions. All the descriptions in this chapter are uh, really wonderful. They stand out to me. We get great descriptions of... Shireen, and Selyse, and Stannis, and Davos, and uh, Malisandra, which we'll get to that one in a minute. Uh, But before that, we will wonder about the Strangler, uh, which is this poison uh, that is known to all of the, the alchemists, and the faceless men, and the maesters. It's made with a very rare plant, or the leaves of a very rare plant, which comes from islands in which sea? And the answer is the Jade Sea. Jade Sea, which sounds very beautiful and exotic. Uh, Half a world away, which actually, you know, if you look on the map, it looks like it's all the world away. So there's this implication that there is another half of the world if you go past the Jade Sea. Interesting.
3: Our next question asks... What shape is Melisandre's face? It's a heart-shaped face. And I think this is very interesting because obviously we have the flaming heart. We are now up to question 14,
2: uh, which is um, all about Crescent standing on the balcony in between his pals, the gargoyles. Uh <laughs> He seems to think of them as friends, you know, he kind of talks to them and wonders if they're going to answer back, and stuff like that. But uh, the in this moment, he's looking down and he sees a bunch of warships sailing past the castle, and we wanted to know who did they belong to? And the answer is Salador's son, another person who's, um, well think he's first introduced to us in this in this chapter so
3: like most of this other gang so yeah and our final question was asking about a man who was wearing russet and fox fur he was the castellan of dragonstone while stannis was on the small council the fox fur that he's wearing is particularly notable and it's Axel Florent, very notable because the Florents obviously have the fox as their sigil. Uh, so I've never noticed that. That is a great little bit of trivia.
2: <laughs> it is, and it's a, good, uh, it's a good way for us to give you a little hint or push in the right direction if you were struggling to remember who was wearing fox fur on Dragonstone. Axel Florent so and even actually just speaking of descriptions uh, even just in that scene you get some pretty you know, the description of Axel Florent and his clothes and uh, Lord Bar-Emmon who is a plump boy of 14 swathed in purple velvet trimmed with white seal and it goes on to describe uh, Lord Sunglass and Salador Sun and um, yeah Descriptions are notable, for sure.
3: Some very stylish people here. That is one thing I have to admit, is that people in A Song of Ice and Fire versus Game of Thrones, they really dress spectacularly. You read these descriptions, and when you really focus in on them, like Stannis, for example, Mm -hmm. even him, he sometimes he dresses so extravagantly. He does, yeah. And actually,
2: if you read the descriptions of Littlefinger's clothes... They really in the books they really bowled me over because obviously in the He's got
3: like a feather yeah, and stuff like, like that.
2: All these outrageous colors he wears these like um I don't know these colorful boots and yeah you know yes. in the in the show of course gorgeous costuming but he wore mostly like gray and black. I mean let's face it he was not this like wearing purples and yellows and kinda crazy colors like he does in the in the book. So I really do enjoy imagining all that stuff and
3: yeah, I will say that, um, I forget if it's, the, I think it's the 20, might be the 2017 calendar at this point, but one of the Song of Ice and Fire calendars is this great piece of Pycelle and Varys and Littlefinger, and they're all kind of mean-mugging the the viewer, you know, but it actually shows Littlefinger for once, kind of like how he's described in, in the hat and all. Mm-hmm. He reminds me, I mean, the descriptions of
2: him, very much like a little peacock, so. Yeah. Um, which was probably my headcanon until um, till the TV show kind of inserted itself, but, you know. Um, that's all good. We're all doing our rereads so that we can refresh our headcanons, so.
3: Yeah, it is true. It's it's good to do that, and it's interesting to, to note in which cases you had your headcanon replaced by something in the show and when, you know, you stuck to when it was particularly memorable, I suppose. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, and a lot of the time it is of course, related to great acting or, you know, stuff like that. But um, but anyways, um, how did you all do? Uh, I think we had a good mix of sort of uh, there weren't too many really 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 hard ones but there weren't too many really really easy ones so <laughs> be interesting to see how you fared so um thank you for joining us and thank you Shea, for being here today
3: um, oh it was my pleasure i learned right. some fun bits of trivia today <laughs>
2: there we go and now so you will know the answers Ahead of his ease this time. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> I wish I hadn't, I really wish I hadn't told him I was recording this. <sighs> oh no, I would have I, I could have asked him all these bits of trivia. You could have
2: just totally like listened to this with him and just been like right in there with the answers. Like,
3: uh, yeah, <laughs> I think he would have known by the when <laughs> oh, my voice came I'm up. I'm so i I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I what I will do I'll be okay. is I'll I'll ask him when I see him in person. I'll be like, so. You know which ones do I think is the hardest? Um, I don't know which one I think is the hardest. I guess the three decks one might be the Siri hardest. Fury
2: and the triple decks. Yeah, yeah, that
3: might be what I think is the hardest.
2: But see, that's kind of military. It's like He might. Yeah, he might. might not feel like like maybe the heart shaped face. He, he's be. just
3: gonna know them all.
2: <laughs> Curse you!
3: <laughs> but but no, thank you so much for having me on. It really was fun.
2: Yes. Well, thank you for being here. And, um, do check out History of Westeros, uh, Valerie Reedus,
3: uh, weekly live streams are when? We have them Sundays at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. And you're
2: usually doing like, what, like six or seven chapters? Currently we're time. doing
3: six chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, the schedule varies book to book. We're down to six chapters for A Clash of Kings, though.
2: Okay. All right. Well, check it out, everyone, or, uh, join the- their uh, Facebook group and uh, you can follow along with some great discussion with like-minded folk there as well. Uh, thank you again for joining us, everyone. Hope you had fun. Uh, we'll see you soon with a regular episode of Radio Astros. Bye for now.
0: Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.